Welcome to This Never Happened, the podcast. Every episode, I, Tim Stevens, present to the board of what exists some flotsam of entertainment for the elimination from the timeline. Be it album, TV show, movie, or book, I will not hesitate to fight for a better pop culture landscape. I will not stop until the truly terrible and the awfully benign are referred to with the simple sentence, This Never Happened. Aiding and abetting my quest is the engineer, Skip Serpico, and of course, all of you. Thanks for coming. Enjoy the trial. Another week, so that must mean another thing to banish from existence. What will it be this week? This week, I'd like to talk to the board about the 2005 reimagining of Kolchak the Night Stalker for ABC, called simply The Night Stalker. Oh, reimaginings are never good. I can't wait to hear this. I happen to agree with you, sir, and I think the board will find my evidence very compelling as well. All right, we'll proceed. To fully understand the situation, I need to take everyone back to 1972. Viewers of ABC that um, one night in 1972 were treated to The Night Stalker, a TV movie about a rumpled, down-and-out reporter named Carl Kolchak, as rendered with common man charisma by Darren McGavin, who you might know as the father from The Christmas Story, in the story, Kolchak came up against a being of pure supernatural evil, a vampire, and managed to triumph. A year later, Kolchak was back in the Night Strangler. Once again, he came up against supernatural evil and was victorious, but no one believed him. Then finally, in 1974, the character received his own series entitled Kolchak, the Night Stalker, that saw him using the power of the press to try and expose the various monsters, aliens, and robots that were kept hidden just out of view of the public, but were all very real and very dangerous. Although the effects are certainly cheesy by today's standards, in the mid-70s, Kolchak made a spooky impression on many, including X-Files creators Chris Carter and Frank Spotnitz, and my father, Jonathan Stevens. 33 years later, ABC decided to get bring Kolchak back, as Stuart Townsend. And now, while he's still a reporter, he crusades for himself, not the greater good, convinced that the crimes he is investigating will somehow reveal the truth of his own wife's murder. Fixated more on conspiracy than the supernatural, the show lasted six episodes before it was canceled. Eventually both sci-fi, and that's S-Y-F-Y for those of you playing at home, and Chiller picked it up and showed the full ten episodes. But being short-lived is not the true crime here. With the board's patience, I would like to introduce the charges that I feel the Night Stalker has against it. Go on. Thank you. To begin with, the character of Kolchak, he has no essence in the remake. He is young. The actor playing him, as I mentioned, Stuart Townsend, is a very pretty 33 years old, as opposed to McGavin, who was a sort of schlubby 50. 
And pointing that out, the new Kolchak was glossy versus our rumpled hero. Our 1972 version was weirdly humorous as opposed to constantly grim and unpleasant. And more to the point, there's his mission. As noted above, the Carl Kolchak of the 70s was all about bringing things into the open for the greater good. This Kolchak, while a reporter, is purely in it for himself. I understand things change from version to version, but the essential essence of a character should say the same. And yes, essential essence is basically redundant, but you understand the point. There is a core to characters that should be kept the same. Batman is always a vigilante who's looking to solve the crime done to his parents by preventing it from never happening again. Um, Green Lantern, regardless of who it is, is a man of incredible will. Spider-Man will always be motivated by the death of his uncle to do right, to ensure that great responsibility comes with his great power, and so on. If Kolchak version 2005 only shares the fact that he's a reporter with version 1972, then really he's a different person. There's also how the story uses Kolchak. In the 1970s version, Kolchak is on a solo journey. It's him against the world. In 2005, screen time is constantly diverted from Kolchak to cover other members of his team. There's also the sort of diversity of each. In 1972, the Kolchak of that era was comfortably diverse. It just existed on the screen. He did storylines involving voodoo, involving a Jewish community, and none of it felt forced or focus grouped. On the other hand, the Kolchak of 2005 feels exactly that way. It's as if they went down a checklist and made sure they had one of each. Um, and it hurts the chemistry and the flow of the show. You can feel it straining against itself. That it's, uh, it's the equivalent of corporate rock versus the band that started in their garage. And the most important thing, the thing to really bear in mind is Kolchak was already updated for our time. It was updated in a show called The X-Files. We didn't need this version. The X-Files already did it. I now open myself up to the board for any examinations that they might have on the topic. So, so you're saying that, that the new Kolchak didn't have anything redeeming, anything good about it? The effects were better, but that's to be expected some 30 years later. And they certainly weren't the best effects of television on, that t on television at that time. And, and you feel that Kolchak 2.0... Uh, lost some of the charm that original Recipe Kolchak had? I'd say it lost nearly all of the charm that original Recipe Kolchak had. The massive conspiracy is not particularly interesting and doesn't really compel the story along. So there's questions of why it bothers to be there at all. Well, I, you know, I find no grounds to, to keep it in existence. In fact, I've, I've forgotten about it already. And that is exactly what we're hoping for. Thank you to the board. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. We're always glad to hear a case from you, Mr. Stevens. Good night.
today in the archives, we take you back to the halcyon days of 1997, where a writer named Joe Kelly could handle both the characters of Daredevil and Deadpool, and eventually put them in an annual together. Joining Joe Kelly is Bernard Chang on art in this pairing. At the time, as I noted, Kelly was making his mark on both characters, and Kelly had also taken the time to involve Typhoid Mary, traditionally a Daredevil villain, in his Deadpool book. So the teaming of the two characters made a sort of sense, especially given that their mission was to take down a revenge-obsessed Typhoid Mary. The only problem comes in the execution, which was terrible. Okay, in fairness, it might have been good. But there's something that happens in the issue that obscures any chance of anyone noticing the good it did. You see, years earlier, Marvel tapped Frank Miller and John Romita Jr., both having made impressive marks on Daredevil during different runs, to come back to the character and make what is essentially year one for Hornhead lore, called Daredevil the Man Without Fear. In its pages, at one point, a young Matt Murdock, not yet Daredevil, but trying to get there, panics while attacked by a room full of prostitutes and accidentally sends one out a window when he lashes out. It is assumed in the story that the prostitute dies in the fall, and there's no evidence to suggest otherwise. However, according to this annual, she lived, and she eventually became Typhoid Mary. This is a terrible choice on multiple levels. Just terrible. For one, it plays into the era's obsession, an obsession that unfortunately marches on still today in comics, with making everything interrelated. This new character can't just be a mutant, he also must be, I don't know, let's say Bishop's dad. Or, in this case, this guy's origin was also this woman's origin. It's the Batman-Tim Burton movie all over again. It also played into the secret history meme that, while not big at the time, is fairly massive now and would catch fire fairly shortly after this annual. The secret history is, of course, the idea that important events were happening between the panels of stories you've already read that somehow we just missed. It is essentially a signal that comics is no longer interested in the future, they're instead turning inward to make sure everything connects to everything already established, and that everything takes place between the panels of things that already took place. Looking beyond comics to a pure storytelling level, the issue still doesn't stand up. It takes an event where the randomness, the anonymity of it all, is the tragedy, and instead tries to make it a quote-unquote big deal. Yet in doing so, it reduces the tragedy on everyone's part. Daredevil's biggest regret is lessened because the woman survived, and then that woman went on to rip apart his life for a bit. It's like karmic balance was restored. The tragedy of typhoid is also diminished in the bargain. Rather than a victim of bad environment and a random susceptibility to mental illness, making her a villain with a shattered psyche, she is instead a nearly killed woman who is always on the wrong side of the law and can't even claim her own mental illness because Daredevil, in essence, gave it to her. For this reason, and for nothing personal, nothing having to do with the fact that Daredevil is my favorite character, honestly, nothing at all, the board proclaimed this annual never happened. It encourages some of the worst impulses in comics and, as I noted, has nothing to do with the fact that Daredevil is my favorite comic book character. So, we close the book on Daredevil Deadpool Annual 97, as it never happened. 
with links to information pertinent to this podcast are available at timstevensisungaje.com. That's T-I-M-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-I-S-U-N-G-A-J-J-E, all as one word, dot com. Please also feel free to leave comments on this or other episodes there, or to make suggestions about what other pieces of pop culture you think are unworthy of existence. If you prefer to offer your comments and suggestions by email, you can send those missives to thisneverhappenedpod at gmail.com. If you like the podcast, mention it to everyone you know. Suggest they listen. Suggest it strongly. Suggest it in a way that makes it clear that this is more than just a suggestion. <laughs>